Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Second hour of Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. I'm Chad Withrow. Jonathan Hutton will be back in about an hour. He is on special assignment right now. Show is flying by. Big thanks to Dan Dockage for joining us. Big thanks to Davey Hudson for filling in for Hutton for the first couple hours of the show. Coming up in 20 minutes, Trey Wallace of Outkick.com, senior SEC writer. He'll join in on the fun. He is down in Destin for SEC spring meetings. There's a lot going on with the SEC and all of college sports right now. We'll get into that with Dave, uh, with sorry, not with Davey Hudson. We'll get into it with Davey Hudson also, but with Trey Wallace coming up in 20 minutes. Speaking of happenings at SEC Media Days, Lane Kiffin, he's had enough. Jimbo Fisher continues to run his mouth about how disgusted he is that anyone would ever infer that he paid for players or there's some sort of pay-for-play deal going on at Texas A&M, even though it would just happen to be the first year that NIL was a thing. So Lane Kiffin's going to call it out every time it happens and say that it's BS. Talking with reporters, Kiffin said, yeah, it's just not a coincidence that the greatest recruiting class in the history of college football happened right as NIL was legalized, and it happened at Texas A&M under Jimbo Fisher. And Davey, he's not wrong. It's easy to look at this class and link it immediately to what was going on, what was being reported about what was being spent. And it does look even more ridiculous in hindsight when you think about last summer where Jimbo Fisher is being all pious and he's talking about Nick Saban and how disgusted he is that Nick Saban would say that he bought his recruiting class. It's all sort of silly, and Lane Kiffin's pretty good about calling out the silly. It's very silly, but at the same time, I love the drama. I think it's good for the sport. The other thing we have with this story is you look back – when all this was happening, I can't remember the name of the uh, the coach or assistant coach for Texas A&M, but we have him on video pointing up to the where the boosters sit in. Uh, I'm drawing a blank on the word that I'm, I'm even looking for for wherever they're at in the, Aggieland. The, 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 the press box or the yeah, suites? Yeah, they have a special name for it up oh, in Aggieland. Okay. I, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Well, that, that's the entire crowd. That's yeah. all their fans. But he's like, hey, this is where all the big money boosters sit. This is the guys that are basically paying your paycheck. We have that on film. We know what happens. The fact that Jimbo tries to deny it, it just makes people like Jimbo less, especially it's, it's really rich coming from a guy that's making all this money just to perform at a subpar level in the SEC. And I, I'm still just waiting to – I eventually want to get the championship, That's oh, that banner or plaque that never gets filled out for a and I wish I had a picture of it. But one of these days, somebody's going to get that because they're never going to win a national championship. Just mark it down, book it. Also – Lane Kiffin's argument is, is made stronger by the fact that A&M lost a, a half those guys from that class, right? It does look a little suspicious when you got Jimbo Fisher on his high horse talking about, yeah, we didn't pay for anyone. There's no pay-for-play scheme here. And then in the season and right after, almost half the guys they brought in, a lot of them, maybe not half, they leave. They had some of the biggest attrition rates in all of college football, which, again, 
leads you to think about, you know, maybe some of those guys were just in it for the money. And then they got there and they got their money and they decided to re-up somewhere else. And also, they didn't have a successful year at A&M, and, and that was part of it. Look, maybe Jimbo Fisher decided this was a mistake, seeing the error of his ways, and they're going to do things a little bit differently. But while I don't always agree with Lane Kiffin, he's got a good sense of humor, and this is one that I completely understand, and it is pretty ridiculous when you look back and think about Jimbo Fisher acting like they didn't pay for a single player to go to A&M. So I'm with him on this. So the Los Angeles Dodgers... And everything going on with them has brought up yet another debate about wokeness and teams doing things such as this, right? Forced apologies is another part of this. Um, You've got a Toronto Blue Jays player in Anthony Bass who shared on Instagram the story of a pastor, podcaster of some sort, basically giving the Christian principles and merits of a boycott for Bud Light and Target that's going on. He shared that post. I think pretty harmless, right? I mean, I look, I, I disagree with boycotts in general. I think if you're going to be, it's another form of cancel culture. If you're going to be anti-cancel culture, be consistent with it. But regardless, there's nothing to apologize about if you're going to share this post. I'm fine with people having opinions on either side of it and having the discussion. Well, in today's Major League Baseball, we see what's going on with the Dodgers. Apparently, it's not okay because Anthony Bass seemingly was forced into this hostage video of an apology yesterday. Here is Anthony Bass apologizing for posting this video. I recognize yesterday uh, I made a post that was hurtful to the Pride community, which includes friends of mine and close family members of mine, and I am truly sorry for that. Um, I just spoke with my teammates and share with them my actions yesterday. I apologize with them. And as of right now, I'm using the Blue Jays' resources to better educate myself, to make better decisions moving forward. Uh, the ballpark is for everybody. Uh, we include all fans at the ballpark, and we, and we want to welcome everybody. That's all I have to say. Thank you. Well, the ballpark is for everyone, except if you're a Dodgers fan and you're a Christian, because then you can be outwardly mocked by someone being honored and acknowledged by the team. As someone who has been forced to apologize before, and it's happened exactly one time in my career, it is a debilitating, demoralizing feeling, and it's very difficult to go through with when you don't agree with the apology. And I've been forced to do it once. It appears to me that just reading the body language of this, Anthony Bass was scared by someone in the organization into an apology. And it's sad because, Davey, there's really no reason to apologize for sharing the post of a Christian pastor, podcaster on what's actually happening in the world right now. Regardless if you agree or disagree with it, Target and Bud Light are taking a hit because of marketing decisions. So it's simply commentary based on something happening. He posts it and he's forced to apologize. Again, we're at the same point that we continue to go back to where this is sad that he's even having to address this situation. He's not attacking anyone and yet everyone always looks for a reason to feel, how am I the victim in this situation? And so then, like in Anthony Bass's situation, he's got to go out, make this hostage-like apology where we can tell he's going through the motions. He just wants to get through it. And yet we're just going to go back and this same cycle is going to repeat. I, I'm of the idea that I don't care what these people have to say. Whether you're a, a sports figure, a music star, 
I don't pay attention to you for these things. I understand they have a platform, but we continue to go back to the, oh, they said something that's offensive. Let's make sure we go at them. I don't even remember the name of the Toronto Star columnist who's calling for Anthony Bass to now be cut because of a post that he made. It wasn't like it was his own words that he's going out and about and just slandering people left and right that he doesn't agree with on a moral level. No, he's sitting there. He's saying, hey, this is something that I think's been getting noticed. I'm going to share the post. And now we're making sure that we, tr- we want him to lose his job. It's pathetic. We continue to go round and round. I'm just tired of this same old song and dance. And it's not going to change. So we're going to sit here and I'm just like... I want to start a pool and who's the next person that we're calling on and being like, all right, yep, I got money on him. That's going to happen on uh, June 7th, which also, I mean, the fact that Pride Month starts tomorrow. So they're, they're making Anthony do this a little too early, in my opinion. It's also, I'm with you. Who cares what you know a baseball player thinks about whatever it may be and people getting worked up about it and the, the, the art of demanding an apology for something you disagree with is stupid to me and people get worked up over the things they shouldn't. And I don't know why people would care one way or the other, what Anthony Bass thinks about this. I also think that probably Anthony Bass's followers agree with him on social media, right? I mean, we we're in an era where you can be drawn to whatever you believe in or you agree with, and you can just follow those people. You know, the, the root of cancel culture is not just, you know, I don't like what you're saying. I, I don't like what you're saying so much that you don't have the right to say it. And I don't want to see your ability to ever say it or, or do it. And that's why we've gotten in this situation. There's a line in the succession finale where Tom Wamsgams, great character, he's asked to soft pitch his job as the head of this, this news network. And he has a line where he says, if someone wants to eat red meat, I allow them to do that. I'm not here to dish out dietary advice talking about the news and how he's going to deliver the news. This is where we are right now. You can get whatever news you want. You can get whatever opinions you want. You can completely curate your information to fit whatever you agree with, and if you disagree with it, well, the idea of thoughtful consideration for someone else or disagreeing with an opinion or an opinion even making you think about something is sort of out the window. When Nancy R. Moore goes on USA Today and writes a column calling Samantha Ponder a bigot, well, she knows exactly who she's writing that for. And the claim is it's because Sam Ponder knows exactly who she's addressing her statements about transgender athletes competing with women. She knows what that's for. So we just get in this cycle of Anthony Bass says one thing that a majority of Americans agree with, and certainly a super majority of baseball fans would agree with. But because someone who disagrees with it is the majority of people writing about it or running an organization, then Anthony Bass is forced to make an apology. Please make it stop. Or just being the loudest. Being the loudest, but also just the forced apologies. It's If you want to apologize for something, apologize. I'm not here to call for an apology for someone. If you're that angry at someone over something, I just... Come on. Sports what was, are we angry about right now? What are we angry about? Sports is supposed to be the place to escape all of the outside noise. You yep. come together no matter what your background is, and yet we continue to make it to where how can we fit this narrative in and make sure we're going to be a bigger tool to divide versus unite. And that's the opposite of what the entirety of the sports world is supposed to be about. 
And like you said, Chad, we just got to get ready for the next time we're going to have this conversation. If you are a sports organization, stand for nothing but your sport and your team. That is a great way to avoid forced apologies because forced apologies are happening everywhere in America right now. If you don't want to be forced to apologize for something, just focus on your job with your team and your sport, and you're going to be just fine. And the whole backlash from this, I think, is completely silly when it comes to Anthony Bass. Also silly is Michael Block. He was America's favorite country club golfer a couple weeks ago at the PGA Championship. Great story, making it all the way to Sunday, having the hole-in-one, and Michael Block got a little bit too big for his britches. He said this in a statement. I think I'd be one of the best players in the world, hands down. If I had that stupid length all day, my iron game, wedge game, and around the green and my putting is world class. He said this in reference to Rory McIlroy, who he played with at the PGA Championship. Davey, where did Michael Block finish at the Colonial this past weekend? Dead last. Dead last. Dead last, yes. This did not age well, these statements. The thing for me is you're a guy that has been given this great opportunity to where you finally have this platform. People know who you are. You just take the most humble approach you can whenever you go in to this conversation, whether you're doing these podcasts. You just be blessed to be there. Don't try to create some some outlandish take that people are going to say, I'm going to be able to point back to this whenever he does fail. And this makes it to where it's like, I, I think a little less of Michael Block now. It's If you're him, you've had this golden opportunity and you just decided, while it's it's not going to hurt what he did at Oak Hill, it does tarnish his legacy a little bit in how you just want to view this person after these comments. And, and driving the ball a long way is a pretty big part of golf. I mean, this would be like me saying, you know, I was a really good shooter in high school. If I had John Morant's uh, leaping ability, maybe I could have played major college basketball. That's a big if. So maybe he's right. I mean, using the term world-class to describe your own game is an interesting choice from Michael Block. But who knows? Maybe he's right, but that's still a pretty big gap we're talking about between booming the ball the way Rory McIlroy can as opposed to what Michael Block may do. The Pittsburgh Steelers, they want to boom all the way to Ireland. Their ownership is saying, we want to get a foothold in Ireland. We want to play a game there. Um, Davey, I, I think this opens the door for other teams. You know, they, we had the whole rights negotiation where teams submitted rights for different countries for media for their own teams. This may lead to a bigger discussion later in the summer with us on this show about what that could mean, but I think it's a great move for the Pittsburgh Steelers if they're able to pull this off to get a game over in Ireland with with some interest there, but also generating more interest. Yeah, and I'm sure it'd take place in Dublin, and I mean, they could give a great environment. You look at how the NFL is going to expand, and I know we had NFL Europe, but uh, as we continue this more new, modern age approach, because I know that kind of has been, been long gone if you really look at it, I, I'm curious to see which of these countries like we actually are getting that next game in. Is Ireland next on the list? I mean, I know there's the conversation here, but I mean, could it be another country? Is, is there an opportunity that, ah, oh, gosh, I'm just trying to, it's like, hey, we're going to take the game to Australia. I mean, who knows what they're looking to do? And it kind of goes back to Roger South Goodell. South America, possibly. Yeah. Roger Goodell having this lasting legacy. Well, what does he want that to be? And I, I think the expansion of the game into multiple countries is going to, be that next step. So I'm interested to do it as a, as a fan of a team. I just, I know those across the pond trips 
can be very taxing, and it'll make things incredibly difficult for the team having to do that. So it's something that's nice in moderation. I just hope they don't abuse that privilege and take an opportunity of, or take advantage of, of the players in that regard. Nothing taxing about Trey Wallace's trip down to Destin for SEC spring meetings. Lots of news, not just affecting the SEC, but all of college sports taking place. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the likelihood, maybe, I say likelihood because I think it's going to happen sooner rather than later, of Colorado leaving the Pac-12 to join the Big 12 and what that could mean for the Big 12 moving forward. The tectonic plates of college sports are shifting beneath our feet as we speak, and Trey Wallace is surfing the waves right now. We'll talk to him when we come back. This is Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Country music star Craig Campbell joins us in studio coming up in about 15, 20 minutes. Talk about a really cool charity event going on in downtown Nashville next Tuesday. But right now, we'll stay Southern. We'll talk some SEC because Trey Wallace, senior SEC writer for Outkick.com, he's down in Destin for spring meetings. And Trey, there's no shortage of news going on that doesn't just affect the SEC but affects all of college football. But let's start with something a little bit more fun and that is Lane Kiffin. And anytime he speaks to the media, something fun comes out of it. And now Lane Kiffin has just said, I've had enough of sitting back and allowing Jimbo Fisher to say things that everyone knows isn't true in regards to whether or not a recruiting class was bought and paid for by Texas A&M. What do you make of the latest from Lane Kiffin and what he's saying about Jimbo? Brother, when he, when he walked up, over to the area where he was going to speak at. And it was kind of like a scrum that you would see. It wasn't like a formal press conference we got with others. You just kind of knew that we were about to get something out of Lane Kiffin. He was going to say something to agitate another coach. Uh, he's already pissed off for being down here. He doesn't want to be here. He doesn't want to sit in these rooms. And a lot of these coaches don't. I mean, they, they would rather be doing other things like football camps or whatnot. But, you know, we're, we've come to expect something out of Lane. I think when we got the the NIL comments from him, I was like, okay, that's interesting. But the funny part is, like, he's 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 kind of hinted at that before. Like, he, this is the type of thing. Like, he's taking these jabs. And I think that, you know, I think when you look at it, I think overall, I think that in the end, he, he makes a good point, um, but he's going to do it. Like, and I think, you know, when he said that, it was brought up earlier before that, something about Texas A&M and Alabama. And he said something along the lines of, okay, well, that's a set-up question, kind of giving a laugh. But he just – he doesn't care. And and that's the thing. Like, if it's not, you know, hurting him personally, uh, affecting him personally, he's going to try to take it out in under school. And, and let's be honest, Jimbo and a couple others have, have taken some subtle shots at Lane Kiffin over the last few years. And uh, Lane Kiffin is in that I-don't-give-a-bleep mode right now with a new contract at Ole Miss. And uh, he's going to say what he's on his mind. I don't blame him. 
Someone who does give a bleep is Nick Saban. Uh, he gives a bleep about college football and the direction it's headed, and he doesn't like it, Trey. And he's he's talked about this before. And I've kind of come on the other side of this, of, of Nick Saban, because I do feel like regardless of what happens, Alabama's going to be fine in an NIL world, and they're going to be fine without NIL and where everything's going. And Nick Saban's already won so much that I do believe him when he talks about what's right for college sports and is this really the direction that we want to go, talking about making athletes full-time employees of universities. Where do you fall on this from Nick Saban? Are you cynical on what he's saying, or, or do you buy that he's got the interest not just of Alabama and Nick Saban, but of all of college football when he talks about these issues? Right. I, th- I think when you look at the overall issues with, with college football, I think when it comes to NIL, when it comes to you know the, these payments being made to players, and he talked a lot about investing in the players, Chad, too. Like You don't have many coaches that come out and say, hey, look, we invest $100,000 into these players every year. Uh, and that, we're not talking about NIL. We're talking about tuition, books, food, and anything that comes with being a student athlete at a, at a Division One level, Power 5 level. I think when you look at where we are right now in college athletics, man, it's a little bit crazy, Chad. It is, man. It it, it feels, you know, it it for a for a minute, it feels like the wild wild west has slowed down, and then all of a sudden, it just picks right back up. And, I, and I'm talking about NIL. I'm talking about what's going on inside these conferences when it comes to tampering. Um, there are a lot of things right now that are very interesting that people are keeping their eye on when it comes to college football in general. And Nick Saban, he's not shy. He's going to tell you exactly what he's feeling. And when he's doing it, he's trying to send a message. Like, that's the other thing. He he is, look, look the godfather of the SEC right now, besides Greg Sankey. And I think when he said something, it reverberates through the room. And, and, and overall, looking at where we're headed right now with NIL, I mean, we were at a weird point this time last year. I mean, let's be honest. When it came to money being paid to these players, um, everybody started getting wind of the of the, the the $8 million deal for the quarterback who might be about an hour and a half down the road from you, Chad, two hours. Um, I, I just I feel like college football is at a state right now where you got to find some kind of leveling ground when it comes to NIL, when it comes to how you're going to pay these players because they'll figure out a way if they have to, you know, and, I, and I'm talking about the guys, not the starting quarterback, not the starting running back, but the guys that do play and do contribute, they'll figure out a way to make money. And you've got lawyers that are roaming around these places and trying to get these players to jump in and unionize and, and try to be employees of the school because they know that you know their client's not going to make $200,000 a year, $250,000 a year, you know, off, off NIL. So it, it gets to a point where Nick Saban, when he's speaking, you might not like the guy. You might not agree with everything he says. But I think on this point, you kind of have to give them a hat to be like, okay, and I somewhat agree. We've gotten a little bit out of control in college football. How do we reel that back in? Um, I just don't think people like who's saying it. I think if, if it was Lane Kiffin saying the same thing that Nick Saban is saying right now, I think people probably would take it in a different manner, but it's Nick Saban, so you got to bash him, and you got you know you just a pissed off old man. Doesn't work like that. So Trey Kirby Smart's been doing some uh, self education 
uh, over the course of this offseason. Gambling in college sports is now a, a bigger issue because of what we've seen with some college baseball scandals here recently. You've got a piece up at OutKick right now where Kirby Smart's really diving in into sports wagering and learning all he can about it. What can you tell us? Man, you know, it's crazy. I got up there and I asked him yes, I asked him last night. I said, you know, what are you worried about when it comes to, to, to gambling, period? And he started talking about horse racing overseas. He started talking about Chinese baseball that these kids are watching. Hell, I've, I, you know, I, I gamble every now and then. I'll throw a parlay, but I'm not betting on Chinese baseball or horse racing because I don't know a damn thing about it. But you look South at American basketball, Kirby's- though, Trey, I will say, I do this at times, like if you're just bored. You can go to the, the FanDuel app or whatever you use and watch it live. And I actually bet right. on a game that was ending in Colombia the other night. And uh, very underrated Colombian professional Chandler. basketball. I think the game was actually played outside when I went to it and watched it's, it live, which is very different. It sounds like we need to have a conversation when we get off the air, but that's okay. We'll yeah. save that for another day. We can day. go place uh, our bet no. at the Great American Ballpark window in Cincinnati. That's that's exactly nothing right. ever bad yeah. happens when you do that, right? No, then we just need to have our boss on the phone at the same time. Yep. Uh, no, I, I look here. Here's the thing I look at it when it comes to college gambling. These coaches, and let's Kirby Smart, Nick Saban, Brian Kelly, list goes on, Sam Pittman. Do we honestly think that they really know what a DraftKings app is or a FanDuel app? Like they pro- they've heard of it. Hell, if you turn your television on, you've heard of it. But do they actually know how to work it? No, I, I honestly don't think so. When Kirby Smart talks about having to do all this type of research uh, for um, you know the the how the betting is going down and how to educate the players, he's being sincere. Um, and I, I talked to him a little bit off the record, but he, you know he he was curious about how some of this is getting around. And mind you, you got to remember this too. Gambling's not legal in the state of Georgia. Gambling's not legal in the state of Alabama. You can't hop on your phone and, and place a wager in those two states, Kentucky as well. So when you're really looking at it, the reason why he's talking about horse racing and Chinese baseball is because they have found certain probably circumstances where maybe a player is using an overseas or an offshore betting service to place these bets because you, you know, you just, you just can't log into FanDuel, DraftKings, whichever you use, use them in that state. I think right now, Kirby smart and all these coaches, they are a little bit confused. They're trying to get to the bottom of, of, of what education actually looks like to players. Like you could, Chad, you could sit in a coach's room tonight if they wanted to and be like, Hey guys, look, y'all don't need to be betting on games. Don't be betting on games. You're going to waste your college eligibility. If if you bet $20 on a parlay, there is a chance the NCAA could come and take your eligibility as a student athlete over a $20 parlay. Think about that. We, have, we haven't heard any ramifications yet from Iowa and Iowa State in, in regards to that investigation when I think, if I'm not mistaken, there were 55 total people involved with both schools. I asked Greg Byrne today, the Alabama athletic director earlier, I said, what's going on with the investigation into Brad Bohannon? And he says, we're handling it. We're, we're giving everything to the right people. And I asked, who's the right people? Is it the gaming commission? Is it the NCAA? You know, how far does this go along? Now, he wouldn't answer that question because I didn't think he would. But I'm just saying, this is way more in-depth. And, and I'll tell you how much. Josh Eiple said they've spent more time talking about gambling, in a sense, and asking questions than they had on the schedule that's being up for debate right now. So, 
lots of questions from coaches on try to they're really trying to figure out how do they talk to 18 to 21 year old kids about not online gambling. I think that's the biggest thing. It's an important issue. If I were Kirby smart, I'd spend more time educating myself on street racing as opposed to gambling right now, <laughs> but that's just me. You he, mentioned, I mean, he, yeah, yeah. You mentioned, I know, man, he, he got to figure it out. Quick. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no doubt about it. Um, you mentioned the, the conference schedule, Trey, uh, eight or nine games. That's the big debate. Will we even see a vote on this, this go-around at SEC spring meetings? So you've got a lot of 80s down here that are just spitting hot air. I was about to say something else, spitting hot air. And you had some 80s that were hell-bent, Chad. When they came down here over the last two months, they've been preaching, we want nine games. We want nine games. Saying it off the record, saying it in reports, stuff that we've done, talking to 80s about this. Yeah, let's go with nine games, it's better. Well, what's happened is, and I'm going to break it out real simple for the, the viewers and listeners, ESPN has said, we're not giving you any more money, even if you decide to go and play nine conference games. So now the SEC is like, well, wait a minute. Okay. Some of these ADs are, well, if we're not getting any more money, why in the world are we making our schedule harder? Why are we going to take away some of our rivalry games at the moment? Um for the same amount of money that we've already agreed to with the contract that was that was signed last summer. So it's we're getting, you know, it's it's at a point right now where these SEC ADs are saying, show me the money. You know, if we're gonna do this, if we're gonna take away, you know, an easy win and 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 no shot to any Austin P or MTSU fans or anybody on here. But like if we're gonna, you know, if 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 schools are gonna have not they're not gonna pay eight hundred thousand dollars for a buy game. If they know they can help their win an overall record per year, they can make money on ticket sales at home and whatnot. It's not a classy game. It's not a good game, but whatever. You're going to have to give them a reason to turn down that money. And and I think that ESPN not willing to offer in the range of five to seven million dollars more per year for that additional game. It's 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 harping on these ads. So now we sit here, and I'll tell you how the rest of the thing is going to go. We're sitting here now at 3.30 local time. ADs are upstairs, and they're meeting with some basketball coaches. They're kind of wrapping up their day. Then tomorrow, uh, from about 9.30 to about 2.30, they're going to get together with the presidents of the schools, the chancellors, and they're going to have to decide, and they're going to have to vote on, okay, do we move to nine games even when we're not getting additional money? And I was told by a couple different people that the other model, that pay attention to this one is it's going to be a Band-Aid with an eight-game schedule, conference schedule, but it's only going to last until 2025. Then they will come back and try to rotate and move it to a nine-game schedule. So pretty much what I've been told is there could be a Band-Aid put on the schedule, maybe this week, maybe not this week, but sometime in the very near future. They're just trying to, I think, they're sitting at the poker table right now, Chad, and they're trying to see who's going to bluff first when it comes to ESPN, the SEC. And right now, the SEC is in a spot where they don't have to, but they better figure out something when it comes to this darn schedule, man, because that's all we've been talking about now for three years is the future schedule. And and honestly, these coaches are sick and tired of talking about it. Based off Kirby Smart's conversation and, and comments yesterday, it's the most overblown topic that's going on in the SEC. So. 
that that tells you how agitated, you know, just over it these guys are. Well, and these coaches, I mean, one win is the difference between being fired or retaining your job for some of them, and it's hundreds of thousands of dollars in bonus money for a bowl game or something else. So I don't blame the the coaches if, if they're saying if there's no money in it for the school, why why would we change anything? So I understand their point of view. It's not what's best for the league or the sport necessarily, but they're worried about numero uno in this and in, in their well, contract. So I, I don't I don't blame them for not wanting to immediately move to nine games if they're not getting a bigger check from ESPN. Trey, um, I love this story because I'm a college baseball cynic. Kentucky Baseball Regional, they don't have hotels because of a country music festival, so the teams are going to have to stay in dorms. There's nothing more small time, I feel like, than the height of your sport in tournament season. You're not even big time enough to move anything to where teams can stay in a hotel when they come and play in your event. This is not a great look for college baseball. I understand things happen. But what do you make of this story out of Lexington and their college baseball NCAA tournament regional? I think there was no preparation. And and when I say that, I mean, Kentucky did not think seven months ago that they would make the college World Series, NCAA tournament, or even host. Look, I talked with somebody about this today. You always have to have the mindset that you're going to host a regional. Okay? And, And that means two things. That means getting some blocks of rooms at local hotels a year out and making sure you're good for the opposing teams that are coming into town and making sure nobody else is using your home stadium during that time. That's it. That's what you have to do. Make sure you got room aboard. Make sure you got your home darn field to play on. Kentucky didn't have either. Kentucky had to move their high school baseball tournament to another stadium in Lexington and not play it on campus. They're putting these 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 student athletes from other schools in dorm rooms. They're, they're dorm rooms. They're twin bed dorm rooms that they're going to be in. Also, they're charging about $93 a night for these teams to stay in the dorm rooms. And then they say, well, by the way, we also got some hotels in Louisville for you guys if you need them, if you want to take them. So an hour and 10-minute drive. You know, every day to the ballpark, back and forth. We don't know what the weather is going to look like. So they decide on put them on campus. It, 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 and here's the thing, too. Kentucky had to submit all of this to the NCAA. So the NCAA was fine with this. They thought, okay, well, they're going to be on campus. They're going to have housing. They're going to have bedding. I guess that's good enough. Kentucky dropped the ball here. Um, I get that Zach Bryan and Tyler Childers are going to be in town. Hell, I'd be if I could be there, I would too. Um, but you got high school tournaments going on and softball and baseball, you got track and field. They knew what was going on uh a year ago. So the fact that they weren't prepared for it, Chad, that just that's a stupid look on Kentucky. I mean, I you know, in the grand scheme of things, this looks like the fire festival. That's exactly what it does. <laughs> you put them in a dorm room when they could be at a nice hotel sleeping, but now they gotta sleep with four teammates. In the same bunk suite? Good God. That's a, that's a horrible way to spend a regional. I consider the entire NCAA baseball tournament one big fire festival, so I'm, I'm in agreement with you on that. Trey Wallace Watch is also mouth, host of the Trey Wallace <laughs> podcast, all this college baseball blasphemy on the show. Trey, who's your latest guest on the podcast? And people should go subscribe to that as well. Yeah, we had Josh Pate on last week. Going to have a couple coaches on for a special edition podcast that will come out 
uh, hopefully sometime later this week as we wrap up here from Destin. But um, yeah, it's, it's look, it's going good. It's Wednesday. Uh, coaches have just left town. Uh, they got on the first flight they could to get back home. And, uh, and now it's just ADs and presidents and we'll see if we get a vote. Um, honestly, I, I, Chad, I think we're, I think we're going to get a vote, but I don't think it's going to be what people were hoping for with nine games. I just don't see it right now, but, uh, anything can happen when you get a little alcohol involved. So let's see how tonight goes for some of these ADs and presidents to vote or not to vote. That, that is the question coming up in Destin. We always say yes to Trey Wallace joining Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. Trey, thanks so much, man. We'll talk to you again probably later this week before uh, you adjourn from Destin. So we appreciate the time. We'll see. Thanks, Jeff, for having me. Appreciate it, buddy. Absolutely. It's Trey Wallace. Coming up, Craig Campbell, country music singer, at Craig Campbell TV on Twitter. He's got a great event coming up. We love any chance we get to get outside of the studio here and into the beer garden at 6th and Peabody. We'll have that opportunity next Tuesday because – of the ninth annual Craig Campbell Celebrity Cornhole Tournament coming up. We'll talk about some of the celebrity guests that will be a part of that and where this goes. Craig Campbell in studio with us on Hot Mike. That's next. You're watching and listening across the Outkick Network. Welcome back to Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. I'm Chad Withrow. If you're watching right now on our YouTube page, don't be confused. Hutton did not put on a cowboy hat and shave. This is Craig Campbell, country music singer. You're hearing him right now. Bring us back from break. Craig's got a great event coming up next Tuesday. It is the ninth annual Craig Campbell Celebrity Cornhole Tournament. Excited to be a part of that next week. We will be out in the beer garden here at 6th and Peabody broadcasting live with this event. There's going to be some really cool celebrities on hand. It's all going to a great cause that we're going to talk about as well. Craig, good seeing you again, man. You do great work in the community. we got a mutual friend and Jake Waddell, Catfish yep. Jake, that you've done a lot of work with in the past. Thank you for doing that and always helping out his great cause. And uh, this is another one coming up next Tuesday. Excited yeah. to have you here to talk about it. Man, I'm, I appreciate y'all having me. Uh, it's just been a passion of mine for the past uh you know 10 11 years we had to skip a couple of years uh during covid but um uh, yeah this is the ninth one and it's, it's just getting bigger and better every year we're excited to have it here at sixth and peabody um uh, everybody so far has been so cool and so great and and, and uh hospitable and, and we're excited you know just i know we're gonna have a great time and probably gonna raise a lot of money too yeah, and you can see a lot of the celebrities that will be on hand for the event that will be participating in the Cornhole Tournament as well. It's going to be a lot of fun. And um, we'll get into the fun elements of this Cornhole Tournament and what it's going to be, but a very serious cause here for you. Um, this is all going to go uh, and fund the Kenny Campbell Foundation for Colon Cancer Research. I know, Craig, this is a very personal story for you in wanting to get involved and have your own charity. Yeah, from day one, uh, the, the idea was – was uh you know it goes all the way back to when my dad my dad had colon cancer and, and he actually lost his battle he was 36 years old when he died with colon cancer and i just i always grew up just wondering why what what was this disease all about and and the more i learned the more i realized it was it was probably preventable had he known so that's just been my mission from from the start of this whole uh, celebrity cornhole challenge was was to raise awareness and and spread the word that you you can get you can get screened and, and this is a very preventable 
cancer. And uh, that's just, yeah, that's where it all started. And that's, that's been my, my, miss, my mission, my message uh, from day one. How good of a cornhole player are you? Do, do you fashion <laughs> the, yourself great at, at cornhole, or is this kind of a once-a-year thing that you're playing? You know, we play often. It's, it's one of the things you can do on the road fairly easily, take some boards out with you on, under the under the tour bus. Um, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm a great player. I'm, I can hold my own. The key is just having a, a really good partner, and that's, a, and that's what – I've won my own tournament a few times, but – Kudos to uh, the partners that I've had over the over the years. Will the celebrities get to choose their own partner, or will they be paired off when you get here? Is there some strategy that goes into it before they get here? So that's the cool thing about our our tournament. You know, you can if there if you see somebody on the list there that you're a fan of, uh, you can actually bid to be their partner. That's how we raise the money. Um, and you know, a lot of these Mindy, my wife, she usually draws a really nice paycheck. Um, I don't know. For some reason, people just want to be her partner. Uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll, everybody because she's a great cornhole player. Is it because people just like to hang out with with men. Probably there's yeah. more. You know, if truth be known, her her cornhole game is is awful. Yeah. So it's this, more about the company. Abs, yeah, they that's, just want to hang right, out with her. Yeah. That's always good. You got to have a good party with it. Yeah, absolutely. As as well, uh, I'm always curious because music is something that you know it's it's a passion project for anyone to get yeah. into. Um, you talked about your personal experience with your father passing away at a young age, but what ultimately drew you to music to know that this is something you wanted to make a career of? Because I'm always fascinated in the arts like that. When people get into it at a young age, when did you make that decision and what drew you to it? Man, you know, it was music was always part of my life. Um, even at a, as a young kid, I, I felt like music chose me. I didn't choose it. Uh, at, a, at an early age, I real I, I, discovered that I was I was uh, intrigued by the piano. So that's where it all started. I, I taught myself how to play the piano at a very young age. When you say uh, very young, what age are we talking about? I would about? say seven, eight years wow. old. Uh, started picking it up and teaching myself uh, melodies to songs. And you play it by ear? Yeah. You had no trainer, no, no teacher? No, no lessons, no trainer. Wow. It's just all just watching other people and hearing things and, and just, just, yeah. I didn't, you know, I grew up uh, in a, in a, very rural part of South Georgia. Um, I lived far enough away from school that I couldn't, my parents couldn't get me back and forth to practice, to do sports. So I was, uh, it, it worked out in the end. I was, I was just, I was stuck either playing piano or just outdoors with my, on my four wheeler or, or, you know, hunting or fishing or whatever. It's, um, so, I mean, music, it came, it started at a very early age and uh, my uh, playing piano for my church Put a band together after I graduated high school and, and um, moved to Nashville in 2002, and here we are. And this was uh, a time when country radio was huge, I'm sure, where you grew up in, in rural South Georgia. What, sure. what were your main influences? Man, you know, my brother got his driver's license when he was uh, when, obviously 16 years old. He was about five years older than me. So around 11, 12 years old is when I got exposed to, uh, you know, Tracy Lawrence and Randy Travis and Shenandoah and Diamond Rio and – Travis Tritt, uh, just the the early '90s country wave, uh, and I'll I'll scream it from the rooftops. I feel like that's probably the best era of country music that that will ever exist, and uh, and I, that's when I was being influenced. That's when I fell in love with the idea of of being a country singer myself. Completely agree with you about that '90s uh, country music movement. Was Everybody terrific. was good. Tracy Lawrence, also a great friend of the show, huge Arkansas fan, huge Dallas Cowboys <laughs> fan. <laughs> Uh, for a sports tie-in. We'll flash that up one more time. All the celebrities that are going to be a part of this event. And Craig, as you were saying, 
um, you get to be paired up with one of these celebrities. So um, people can uh, go to the website and find out exactly how to get involved, and you can bid if you're here to be a part of one of these teams, yeah, right? you can bid to be anybody's partner. Uh, we got some great – we got a great lineup. Jared Neiman – you know he's been he's been at every single one of them. He's the only guy on the list that has been a part of every single celebrity cornhole challenge that I've I've put on, and uh, you know I feel like that needs a shout out. So thank you, Jared Neiman. That's awesome. Yeah, Craig, thanks so much for doing this, man. We're excited to get out uh, outside amongst everyone. That's going to be I know it's going to be a great crowd next week for this event. Again, the ninth annual Craig Campbell Celebrity Cornhole Tournament to benefit the Kenny Campbell Foundation for Colon Cancer Research and reminding everybody to get screened for colon cancer, something that's very preventable if you go and do that. Thank you so much uh, for having us be a part of it next week. Man, I'm excited. Appreciate y'all. We'll we'll have some fun with this. We'll we'll make it a party. Let's go. Um, And we'll make sure that your wife gets the highest bid (laughs) once again to be a part of her team. Craig Campbell, country music singer, has been our guest. Um, I can report Jonathan Hutton on his way over from his special assignment. We'll find out about that special assignment when he gets here. He was interviewing Livy Dunn, social media extraordinaire. We'll talk about that. We'll get into a number of other issues as well. That's all coming up next in the final hour of Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow, and you're watching and listening on the Outkick Network. <laughs>